Hey, this is Lee Dark of Empower IT in Ontario, Canada. And I am Josh Chamnus with Signal IT Consulting from the Chicagoland area. We are current MSP owners and your guides to starting and building an MSP. As current MSPs, we are constantly navigating the always evolving technology industry. Lee and I started this podcast to show other MSPs how to avoid the pitfalls that we have experienced and to learn more about this industry while all of us learn to thrive in the IT jungle. Join us as we build our MSPs and share the lessons of growing a successful MSP business. This is the Nimble MSP Show, a podcast for startup MSPs by current MSPs. Your hosts, Josh and Lee, will discuss the challenges and strategies of bootstrapping and growing an MSP business. With interviews and actionable tips, each episode will reveal the secrets and lessons learned by nimble MSP owners all around the world. It's a jungle out there. In today's episode, we'll talk about starting your MSP. What is your origin story and why do you need an exit strategy? And we'll give a book recommendation. Hey, Josh, a friend of mine wants to sell his business and uh, he's been in IT for a fair amount of time, 15 plus years. And uh, he said to me, you know, will you buy my business? Because I'd like to retire. And I said, well, what, how much do you want? And he said, uh, I think about $250,000 over, you know, paid out to me over four to five years. And I looked at him sideways and I'm like, that's a lot of money. Um, how much contracts do you have? And he's like, well, I don't really have any contracts. And I said, how's business? Said, business is a little bit slow right now. So I said to him, you know, you do realize that without any contracts, your business doesn't really have any value. And he kind of found that hard to believe because he he hadn't done the research and hadn't really thought about it. And this got me thinking, what would I do if I had to sell? And I came to realize that, uh, you know, I need to have an exit plan. And that exit plan kind of dictates what kind of business I'm going to have. And uh, if I was a one-man band, you know, in the same situation as my friend, I would need to save a lot of cash before I could exit. And uh, if I didn't want to do that, then I would have to build a bigger business and uh, take on all the issues that come with managing staff. And is that something that I really want to do? Yeah, when when I first started in this industry about 15 years ago, you know, even then a lot of the MSP gurus, you know, were talking a lot about putting contracts in place and, you know, to build that, upfront uh, business profitability and sustainable profitability, you know, as, as it goes along. Um, over, the, over the beginning, you know, three years that I was working in it, we were about 50-50 in a break-fix managed services model. Um, you know, about three years in, uh, my, my boss came to me for the company that I was working for and you know, asked if I wanted to take this division and move it on my own. And, you know, I took all the clients that had contracts at the time. And for the past 11 years, that is strictly how I've done business is all on a contract basis, you know, and this has proven to be a very resilient model uh, that, that I've been able to grow with and sustain my business, even through economic downtimes, you know, 
Lee, can you explain, you know, how you kind of got your start with when you started up in Power IT? Yeah, I was uh, working for a uh, agribusiness company um, as a software or as a manager. They were a software company. I was an IT manager and I was there for yeah a long time. Um, I had a good relationship with the business owner and uh, it was good. I really enjoyed it. And then he decided that he needed to exit and he sold the company and a U.S. Uh, company came along and bought the business. And I knew then that, you know, it was a different flavor, a different feel to the organization. Uh, it was a small family company that got bought by a big corporate entity. And I knew that everything was going to change and that there was just it was just not going to be the same. Uh, so I decided that I needed to exit and I spent a lot of time researching and planning my exit and reading about entrepreneurship and trying to figure out exactly you know how I would make that jump how I'd make that transition and uh, I had the opportunity to do that which is different for a lot of people uh, most people don't have the opportunity to do what I did and typically what happens I know from other friends of mine you know they started moonlighting uh, picking up contracts on the side and that's what led to them having an MSP where I'm actually doing I, I planned it and I knew that I was going to have money given to me uh, with severance. So that's what enabled me to survive my first year and kind of changed how I entered the industry. Yeah, I, I'm kind of the, the opposite of that. I, I kind of just jumped in and uh, started working for myself. I didn't have a lot of planning that I had done up front. I went along with that and did it as I as I grew and as I built the business, but that's because I was you know I was I was bored with working in a cubicle from eight to five and not really having a lot of place to grow, and I wanted that exit because I, I just wanted to have that more responsibility for where I was going, where the company was going, and what I could do within within that time frame. And, and keep it going. So, so Lee, after doing all of your, you know, your planning and stuff, exec, execute your, plan, you know, first, first few years of your business operation. Yeah, that's an interesting question. I, uh, one of the first things I did actually, you know, one of the first struggles is getting that first customer. And I had a vendor that did some work for me that was another MSP. Um, so I reached out to him and I let him know that I was a free agent and he gave me some work and it was a great way of getting started. And it kind of leads into the fact that you, you know, your networking is probably the strongest thing you can do right off the bat. You're not going to start with marketing or anything else like that. You're, you need to work your connections to get that first customer and you've got to double down and focus on that really hard. So after I got that first customer and I was starting to do work, a bunch of different contract work, it became apparent that I was going to top out really quick. Um, you know, I got to about 75K and then I started to really feel the pinch of trying to find new work, executing the work, getting things done and, and rinse and repeating that cycle. And it was it was I'm like, oh, this is just not going to work. And in some months there's money coming in and other months money's not coming in and it's not consistent. So I started reading and listening to the uh, you know the gurus in the MSP marketing space, 
uh, signed up for some of their stuff and uh, basically learned to create my first MSP contract. I went out, found some new customers, sold my first MSP contract. And from then I decided that I was going to be 100% MSP. I stopped doing break fix work. Um, and now I have a core of uh, MRR and project work in my business. And uh, this has really enabled me to, uh, you know, take myself to a different level. I've been able to hire my first tech in the last year. And when COVID hit, having that MRR was critical to allowing me to survive. Um, ironically, the person that, you know, helped me out at the beginning, they're not an MSP, so, so to speak. Um, they have a large portion of break fix versus, you know, a few contracts and uh, all that break fix is gone now and, and they are struggling and uh, where I've actually managed to stay pretty consistent. So of, of many of you know, being 100% MSP, I think is pretty, uh, is pretty valid. Yeah, you know, both of us have come from very different avenues as far as where we started and and pieces like that so i really think we need to deep dive into this a little later you know transitioning from break fix to managed services and if you know working with some of these uh gurus as we've talked about have helped or hindered our business you know maybe maybe that's something for another episode that we can we can dive into yeah sure you know, another topic that kind of comes to mind is, uh, you know, you and I have both been hearing, you know, in our circles about the big switchover that's happening or coming with COVID. And, uh, you know, you've got some experience in that. And uh, I know me, not so much. Things have been pretty steady for me. But uh, there's been a lot of talk out there about MSPs that are going to lose their customers to more aggressive MSPs that are going to come in and clean up after them because they didn't really do a good job. You know, I think the same really applies to the vendors in our space as well. I feel that there's going to be a bit of a vendor shakeout uh, with COVID. Uh, I know that I'm certainly evaluating my vendors. Uh, I've made some changes and uh, I've gotten rid of the ones that I don't think really deliver a lot of value to the to the business. Sometimes in our, you know, we're very much a me too industry. And when you see that other people are, you know, using this particular product to deliver services, you think, oh, I've got to have that too. And the thought that I've had now is, you know, I really need to dial down what I'm doing to maximize my profitability and not worry about just delivering a service with a vendor just because I can. And, uh, you know, some of the vendors that are out in the space are awesome. They're really supportive. You know, I meet with uh, my reps all the time <clears throat> and uh, they offer a lot of value to me. And then there are other vendors that I've had that, you know, they've got a product that's OK, it, it, it works, but they're really not delivering great value. And it, it, it makes me question, you know, why I have them. And, and those are the ones that I've actually been pruning off. Yeah, I'm working on the pruning of vendors myself. Uh, there's been a lot of them that I've used over the course of, of time that made sense for me back whenever I was first building up some of my client base, but some of them, I, they don't fit my model of where I'm looking to go 
you know, over the next three to five years at this point. So really working on that myself. Uh, as you mentioned, I, I am personally seeing a lot of the uh, turnover from getting prospects in the door right now for uh, companies that did have problems with their managed service provider in falling down on the job during COVID. So uh, that that switch is, is real and it is going on out there. Um, it's not just word, word speak there that that is actually happening out in, in the, in the wild. Yeah, it kind of brings up a good point about building uh, relationships with your vendors. Um, and that's a really good point. And I think that's probably something we can address on uh, another day. Something else I wanted to talk to you about Josh is, is relationships, um, you know, and the importance of a relationship and how that affected starting up. Um, I know when I started up, my wife wasn't 100% convinced and uh, she gave me a lot of pushback. And that's something that can really, you know, if you're starting out and, and you don't really know what you're doing, um, it can kind of hit your self-perception and it can hit your confidence because you know you need to be successful and you don't have any you know there's no backup you really i mean you you have to go out and get to find another job and that's just as hard as as finding that first customer so you really burnt your ship and you have to move forward and uh you know whether you succeed or fail it's it's totally up, up to you and and that can be really daunting yeah you know this kind of makes me think of the uh uh what people think I do meme, you know, that's out there of my, my wife looks at it and sees that this is my job. I view it this way. My family feels that it's this way and kind of reminds me of whenever I started my first company, you know, almost, almost 20 years ago of that. I, I was the same as you. I didn't have a lot of support with, with my wife and my family at that time. And it really, made me struggle in how I did things. Whenever I started my current company though, I, I had full buy-in and full support from my wife, my family, uh, everything. So um, were you able to, you know, ask any of your friends or extended family, you know, about starting up this business, your business whenever you started uh, Empower? Yeah, you know, you'll be tempted to talk to your family and friends about starting a business, but more than likely, it's probably just going to hold you back. Unless you've got somebody who runs a business in your family or is an entrepreneur, you know, you got those as a great resource. Um, if you don't have that in your business, then, uh, you know, you're going to be held back. You're going to get cautioned that there's too much risk that, you know, you should really just get a job. Um, but running a business is all about risk and it's not only risk for you, but it's also the risk for your customers and, uh, you really just got to manage it. Um, you know, the other people that were, had an impact on me are the naysayers. Uh, you know, there are people around you that they're not really your friends or your peers or just kind of people that you hang around with and you may talk, you know, about what you're doing and whatever. And, uh, you know, they're like, oh, don't do that. You know, you should just, you should just, you know, get a job, do whatever. They don't really do it out of maliciousness, um, but really it's come from a place of fear, you know, because you're hanging out with these people and 
And probably if you're, as you become successful, more than likely you're not going to be hanging out with them anymore. Um, it brings up the point too of, you know, who in your life is right for you at the time and who is not. Um, you want to hang out with the people that are going to help move you forward, not the people that are just going to help you stay the same. Yeah, you and I had a recent conversation outside of this, you know, about being uh, driven versus, you know, waiting on things to come to you. And honestly, I, I personally take the naysayers, naysayers as people that did me a favor. You hear a lot of different stories about uh, people who have started successful businesses or even professional athletes that that take what naysayers you know, put out there to them and they use that to almost make them a villain in their own story so that they expand uh, their capabilities to even continue to go higher and higher. And as they're going through that journey, they will make a villain out of anything. It doesn't necessarily have to be a person to be that villain. They will set up an object just to keep them climbing up the ladder to the next stage of their journey over and over again. So I, I really find those stories fascinating and interesting and can view that in my own journey as well, that I, that, that, that has helped me quite a bit. Yeah, that's a pretty cool concept. You know, like the, the hero's journey, um, you know, we are kind of heroes in a way. Um, you know, fighting a fighting that villain to, to 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 get to the next level and you know solve a problem and uh, undergoing a transformation. And I can definitely say that I'm not the same person I was when I started the business. Uh, my views and perspectives have completely changed for sure. Um, you know, when I started, I I still had an employee mindset. Um, you still think. You try to manage your business like you're managing a job, you know, like you 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 pretend that you report to somebody else that doesn't really exist, uh, but you're just you know tackling it like nine to five every day, um, and it's really not the right mindset. You, you have to be careful that you don't get trapped just executing stuff day in and day out. You really need to start to think about working on your business instead of in your business, and uh, making that progression from the employee mindset to uh, a business owner's mindset and uh, it's uh, it's a difficult transition and I still find myself getting caught back where I think thinking oh I'm, I'm acting more like an employee than than the business owner um, so yeah it's 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 definitely a, a required transformation for sure I definitely can agree with that as an employee I never really concerned myself with the big picture but even today as, as a business owner, I'm, I'm constantly analyzing, you know, how, how will a simple phone tree change make an effect on what my marketing message will be? And it's, it's definitely a, a great mindset. Uh, and I, I feel very comfortable in, in making those choices a lot more now than I did whenever I first started out. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things that uh, gets you thinking. All these little tweaks and changes and, and trying to optimize stuff 
And, uh, you know, I find it kind of leads it back to, again, the, the psychological aspects of, of running a business because it's so overwhelming. There's so much to know. There's so much to do. And uh, you feel kind of alone a little bit. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I struggle with is like, am I doing the right thing? You know, should I be doing this? Uh, you know, is this the right information? And I think this kind of leads to, to finding a peer group uh, to, to really help yourself be successful. And if you can find somebody or, or a small group of people and get their feedback, um, that can take you to a whole different level. The books are helpful. You know, as I said, I did read books. Um, and I highly recommend that you do read. But one of the problems with books, it's the same with social media, it's the same with news. You know, we tend to consume things that confirm the way that we think. So if you stick with books completely and don't speak to other people, then you're gonna naturally build in confirmation bias into your business, which could take you out into the weeds. Yeah, I, I agree with that completely. You know, it sometimes is not cheap to uh, join a peer group or to, you know, an easy way to find a peer group. But that's where you, you and I kind of, that's where you and I connected and why we started this podcast to try to be able to help other MSPs, you know, one man bands be able to do that. But um, the one thing that I would caution is to not look at jumping into just any peer group that you find out there. You really need to make sure that you find the right size group for you. Because a if you jump in with other MSPs that are quite a bit more mature in their business model than you are, uh, you're going to be getting those, your peers to remember the hard times that you have as a one-man band today uh, because they did it so many years ago or there has been so much change in the industry even since they did it, that you need to find those people that, that can help you directly with you at the exact same time and in the same market as what we're in today. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, one of the things I found uh, when I started, you know, looking at the marketing gurus and, and, and the operationals gurus, they have all this information and they have this this way of, of executing an MSP business, but it's just overwhelming. It's just too much for you to execute by yourself. And uh, you need to take the idea and the concept from those frameworks, which kind of leads me to the point where you need to find somebody that's just a little bit ahead of you. You know, as you said, like if you've got somebody that's, you know, executing really well with a marketing framework and an operational framework, you're not in that space. You're not going to be able to do that. But what you do want to do is find another one-man band that's just a little bit ahead of you that, you know, they've got a way of getting customers, they've got a way of getting the work done, you know, and they've got over some of those challenges because they'll, they'll be able to advise you on what to do now versus somebody that's further ahead along the path. Uh, another way to look at it is find, you know, an MSP that maybe employee already, uh, maybe an admin in the tech, um, because then that way, not only will you learn, you know, what to do, but they can also help and show you how they transitioned from that one man band to, to the MSP with, with one or two employees. Yeah, so 
that leads us to uh, today's actionable tip. Think about what you want to do in your business. You know, what happens when you exit? These are things you need to think about now, not 15 to 20 years later. You don't want to be the guy that tries to approach somebody else and have them buy your business only to find out that you don't have any value. Uh, hey, Josh, speaking of books, um, what do you feel fits today's discussion? Lee, uh, there's so many great books out there, but I, you see it almost everywhere. And I got to say, the number one book that every MSP should read, and I've probably read it personally three times, would be The E-Myth Revisited. Um, you know, it really helps you with starting with the end in mind and trying to figure out exactly where you're going so that you have a goal of being able to get there and you can start to understand the different roles that are even inside of your business. So it, it takes you outside of the one man band mindset and shows you that one person can't do it all. It, it'll really help you in creating, you know, and figuring out where your standard operating procedures are and using them in a way to, to do your business with your vision and even being able to allow you to grow with staff so that your vision lives on even beyond what work you can do within that. So that, that'd be my recommendation on, on, a, on a great book for everybody to read, you know. So, well, I appreciate, you know, everybody listening into this. Uh, one of our next episodes, you know, that we'll be coming up with, we're gonna discuss a couple of, of uh, frameworks that, that can definitely help within our MSPs and um, looking at some tools that you'll need to start things like, should you incorporate or should you run it as a sole proprietor and uh, you know, how to create a good work-life balance to avoid that burnout is burnout in our industry is, is, is a big issue at this point. And we'd really like to help everybody with figuring that out. So Plus, we'll learn a little bit more about, you know, how Lee worked on transitioning from working with a break-fix uh, consulting to being a complete 100 MSPs. So we appreciate everybody listening, and thank you again. Thanks, everybody. See you next week. Lee and Josh would like to thank you for listening to the Nimble MSP podcast. We hope this has helped you navigate in the IT jungle. Please remember to subscribe to our podcast to be notified about our next adventure.